I don't think anyone should be surprised by the article I'm about to start this uh, episode with. This coming from comicbook.com, written by Jeremy Snodgrass a couple of days ago. Female WWE superstar is salty about being tossed in Evolution Paddle Royale. <laughs> this should be no surprise to anybody. I mean, when they said over 50 women were going to be involved in this event, I guess we all had to figure at some point there would be a battle royal in there. If you're going to have that many women in there, you're probably going to be having a battle royal. And the winner of that battle royal will be getting a future WWE Women's title shot. Yeah, before I even read this article, I, this, this, I mean, this is the best they can do for WWE's first ever all-women's pay-per-view. This is what this is the best they can do. Uh, going into the article, when WWE announced the history-making Evolution show, we all thought that every female superstar would get their chance to shine at the all-women exclusive pay-per-view. True. However, WWE just announced the dreaded battle royal for Evolution, and its participants are feeling a little bitter. On Raw, WWE Fort revealed 14 names for the Evolution Battle Royal, most of which former champions. Considering the October 28th show was originally devoted to being special, an arbitrary over-the-road contest is a little disenchanting, and the women of SmackDown have collectively rolled their eyes. And you know, in the article, they just have like you know gifs of them, you know, just rolling their eyes, you know, being disgusted, and all this stuff. Lana, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, uh, Naomi, and uh, Carmella all showing their disgust. Do these superstars have legitimate beef with WWE? Well, kind of. While Evolution does title an attractive card, <laughs> like three matches at best, WWE has dedicated a lot of its runtime to names who aren't even on the main roster. The NXT Championship and the Mae Young Classic finale will get their proper stage as well as the likes of Trish Stratus and Lita. But for recent champions like Nia Jax and Naomi, they may feel like WWE has neglected their abilities. They fucking have, and we all fucking know it. But unlike WrestleMania, Evolution will not be seven hours long. Thank you, Christ. Instead, it will likely fall somewhere around a three-hour mark, which means WWE has to condense the card. So instead of every superstar getting a meaningful match, which they should be fucking doing, or at least those that deserve to be on the fucking card, WWE is forced to focus on high-profile names and championships. This means anyone who isn't a WWE Hall of Famer or current champion is destined to have an underwhelming night. That's unfortunate, but shouldn't overshadow the impact of what Evolution actually is. It's a fucking joke. Not long ago, WWE struggled to make the cut on Raw. True. Now they have their own pay-per-view and look to be on course to main eventing WrestleMania 35. That remains to be fucking seen, and the only way you'll do that is if you get Charlotte Ronda. So even though some superstar may feel like they aren't in the spot they deserve, women's wrestling as a whole has never been more vibrant. <laughs> On the indies, maybe. But in WWE, the only place you'll see that, you know, actually properly done is NXT. And now with the fact that we have NXT UK, it, their division is just going to be as good. It's NXT. That's how it goes. So while Evolution may have a dull moment here and there, what WWE show doesn't, Raw has all of it, and SmackDown has some. There you go. It still will be a massive night for female superstars. 
I don't know what WWE is trying to do in terms of the build to evolution. For most of us, the reason that WWE Evolution is being is actually happening is because of the fact that the Greatest Royal Rumble happened back in May and in Saudi Arabia and women weren't allowed to attend or even be take part in the event. So WWE decided to do the all women's pay-per-view as they sign up. Okay, you know, you may you couldn't be there with us in Jeddah. But we have the, what we're going to do is, you know, showcase the women in evolution for evolution, I should say. And when you, I, it's just insane how, you know, WWE with their women, I believe ever since WrestleMania, they've really dropped the ball on this. And like, look at the talent you have in your women's divisions. On Raw, you have Asuka, Sasha Banks, Bailey, you know, Miss Bliss, since I can't say the, uh, her first name because my tablet will go off. Um, Nia Jax, Ember Moon now, Ruby Riot, you know. Like, that's a division right there. A nice solid, I think, seven or eight right there that you can literally build around. And then you have, you know, Alicia Fox, Mickey James, Liv Morgan, uh, Sarah Logan, you know. That's a good amount of ladies you can have, like you can actually work with, with title feuds, secondary, and um, you know third tier, you know feuds, tag team matches. You know, you know, you can build something with the 12, 13 women that you have on there. It's just insane how they've literally failed. And you gotta think too. After SummerSlam, you had what Helena Cell. Excuse me. You had the um, Super Showdown show. Wow, that's that's really hard. Super Showdown show words. Then you have the Evolution pay per view, and then right after right after that, on that following Friday, you have WWE Crown Jewel. That so that we know that we all we know right now is that it's still taking place. I haven't seen any cancellations. I you know after I talked about last episode with this, you know. So so they've been trying to build to like three separate shows in the span of like a month and a few days. It, it, it's it's pretty bad, you know. And I just came across this article um, a few minutes ago with uh, from Forbes, written by uh, Blake... Oh, God, I'm going to butcher your last name. I, I apologize in advance. Ostriker? If I got it right, cool. If I didn't, I apologize. Um, this was also from a couple... Actually, from this morning. Actually, 7.51 a.m. And this, this just, you know... Speaking of dropping the ball... WWE is dropping the ball with the build-up to a historic Evolution pay-per-view. You are absolutely like, right, break. Like, oh god, I'm telling you, words are hard in the morning and afternoon. I'm telling you, the amount of coffee I need to figure, I need to use to, uh, in order to understand words. So, from this article, WWE will soon make history with the first ever all-women's pay-per-view Evolution, but the build-up to the groundbreaking event has left a lot to be desired. Over the course of the past couple of months, WWE has had the tough task of creating hype and excitement for four events at once. Hell in a Cell, Super Showdown, Evolution, and Crown Jewel. I like the way I like where your head's at, Blake. Keep it going. 
As a traditional pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell was a top priority for the period between SummerSlam in August and Hell in a Cell itself on September 16th. As a, a potentially money, huge moneymaker and a show that could pave the way for more future events in Australia, Super Showdown had a loaded card with plenty of build for blockbuster matches like AJ Styles vs. Samoa Joe and The Undertaker vs. Triple H, easily the most pushed match on WWE, WWE TV in recent months. And they were doing it better than the main roster was too, by the way. As a blockbuster spectacle that could earn WWE roughly 40 to 50 million dollars based on how much it reportedly made from Greatest Royal Rumble, Ground Jewel continues to get a massive spotlight that you would expect for a show that may ultimately be a glorified house show. <laughs> I like this guy, this guy's good. But according to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, will generate considerably, considerably more revenue than even than WrestleMania. Yeah. Pretty much having WrestleMania show like shows on, you know, WWE Network is gonna cause that much. Thus, the most overlooked of the four has undoubtedly been the one that should be the most important. Evolution. I mean, come on. Yes. 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 WWE, of course, have made great strides with this women's division over the past few years. As WWE's female superstars have developed into legitimate draws for the company, the women's division has consistently made history with landmark moments, including the first ever Women's Money in the Bank, good, M Elimination Chamber, better than the men's version, Hell in a Cell, you tried there, that's a reach, and Royal Rumble matches. It was decent. That's why Evolution should feel like WWE's biggest and most special non-WrestleMania main event, but it has been put on the back burner thanks to Super Showdown and Crown Jewel, which many have criticized as a morally questionable cash grab on WWE's part. Dude, this guy is hitting it out of the fucking park right now. Rest assured, after all, that WWE is raking in the dough for these shows, but it's also shelling out some massive paydays to load them up with a ridiculous amount of star power. Of course, The Undertaker vs. Triple H took priority over all else at Super Showdown, including blockbuster women's matches like Charlotte Flair vs. Becky Lynch and the Bellas teaming with Ronda Rousey. Now, Crown Jewel is yet another big Saudi Arabian show that will reportedly earn Brock Lesnar seven big... Oh my god, Jesus Christ. Seven figures will also give Shawn Michaels a massive payday for coming out of retirement, resulting in WWE donating $100,000 in exchange for the use of Kane, and is expected to utilize other high-profile, well-paid part-timers like Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle, and John Cena. Blake, I'll strike everybody. He's, he's talking. And... He's absolutely right. I mean, smart dude, very nice. But I mean, like, when you like look at that, when you look at what and I just said it before, look at what's surrounding it. You know, you had four pay-per-views to build around in a span of two months. And the one, and like he said, the one that was most important wasn't LNSL, wasn't Super Showdown, it wasn't Crown Jewel, it was Evolution. Your first ever all women's pay-per-view. That should be historic. That should be filled with matches that, you know, we as fans should be invested in. You know, yeah, you already had me at Becky Lynch and Charlotte. 
You had me with the NXT Championship. You had me with, you know, the Mae Young Classic Finals. If you were going to reportedly do a women's tag team title match, I would want it to feel special. You know, if you're going to do a Fatal 4-Way or something like that. You know, have the Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. You know, Trish and Lita. You know, the Bellas. You know, if you wanted to go that route. I'm just, I just, you know, uh, Riot, Riot Squad, Sasha Banks and Bailey. Beth Phoenix, Natalia. I'm just thinking of names. Nia Jackson, Tamina. That would be actually a formidable ass women's tag team. That would be dope. You could definitely do something with that. Nia Jackson, Tamina. I might have to do that in WWE 2K19. Oh, yeah, I just bought uh, 2K19 recently. And just real quick, love the game. Plays fantastically. I love it. On that, But that's, that's, that's side shit. I don't know. I mean, we're only... I'm looking at my calendar right now. We're what? 10 days away from the event. And ever since... I think SummerSlam... There's only been a, like a handful of like matches that I'm truly invested in. The three I already gave, you know, Lynch Charlotte, Lynch Flair, um, May Young Classic Finals, and NXT Women's Championship. That's it. And then you, of course, you have the Ronda Rousey, Nikki Bella for the WWE Championship, which makes no fucking sense. Being in the main event or just being on the card itself, and then the this battle royal. And then you have the tag match between Mickey James and Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss, and Trish and Lita. So that's six. So already half the card I don't really give a shit about. And we only have ten days. We have one Raw and one SmackDown left before we get to Evolution. I don't know what they're gonna do with this. I don't know how many... I mean, if it's going to be a three-hour special, I guess they're going to maybe keep it at six or seven at best. It would be smart to... Maybe, like, add one more match. I don't know what you could put in there. I really don't know. If you're going to keep it at seven... I'm not, I mean, then the only, only match I can think of would be the Women's Tag Team Championship. But they really haven't built towards that. Who knows? I'm not exactly sure if they're going to have a women's tag title match. I mean, you have 10 days left. And you haven't really... I mean, you've paired up all the teams that could possibly do it. But if you're having a battle royal, that's, I mean, then most of those women are going to be in there. I don't know. I don't know what they would do with that. Not exactly sure. But it would be interesting to see if they actually still do it and just pick random names out of a hat. That would kind of fucked up, but hey, it is what it is. But I'm rambling on now. This is episode 15 of The Young Lion's Perspective, and with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling with Issues podcast here, and welcome to episode 15 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here today, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. I want you to thank you so much for checking out this show. And we're starting off the show with SmackDown 1000 that happened this past Tuesday. Um, it was a good episode for what we got out of it. Um, I thought that they were going to give us a little bit more 
in terms of, you know, SmackDown being the thousandth episode, they would have brought a couple of things back. Um, I was hoping for the SmackDown fist that they used to have um, years ago, and I was hoping that they might do some sort of thing like that. They didn't do anything like that. It was just a regular arena. I had saw that on Twitter, uh, and I was a bit disappointed. I was like, man, they really could have brought that back. I mean, they did it for Raw 25. They had it at the, um, I believe it was the Manhattan Center. Or the Hammerstein Ballroom, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was the Manhattan Center they did for uh, Raw 25. When they did the two arenas for one at the Barclays and then one at Manhattan Center. I thought they would have done a little bit of throwback on that. Just, you know, give it that, you know, that feel. Like, hey, you know, we're celebrating the past, but going into the future type deal. So, um, that disappointed me a bit there. But the video package they did to open up SmackDown 1000 was absolutely fantastic. If there's nothing else they can definitely do and really can kick ass with it's definitely make a good video package just highlighting all the great moments that happened on smackdown of course the the rock chris jericho uh milka mania that went down stone cold being on there triple h you know all the names that were on there i saw funaki on twitter um congratulating smackdown 1000 uh for all that the, the number one announcer of smackdown live um it was just really really great to see all those moments and get all those memories back and think about all, everything that happened. Because I was during my teenage years when SmackDown first aired back in like 99, 2000. I was about, what, 12 years old then? Yeah. I was about, yeah, I was 12 or 13 years old when uh, SmackDown first came out. So just to see all those moments again, really, really like hit home and just really was just like a nice uh, little memory, trip down memory lane for your boy. But they started off the night with Truth TV. Uh, R-Truth welcomed everyone to episode 1000 of SmackDown. He said, During all these years that True TV was on the air, there were lots of memorable moments, but nothing special like tonight. Carmella then uh, says to R-Truth that there's only been one episode of True TV, and they got canceled. Which caused R-Truth to look really weird for a moment, and then he calls for a dance break. After their dance break, R-Truth said that his guest tonight needs no introduction. So that meant they do another dance break. And uh, I was enjoy- enjoying the um, dance breaks for Carmella. Nice outfit there. Uh, R-Truth and Carmella dance for a second time. R-Truth then welcomes his guest. But Stephanie McMahon's music hits and out she comes. And the booze rain down like a monsoon in the Pacific. Oh my god. She gets so much fucking heat. And it's well-deserved heat. Even though she at one time was a SmackDown manager general manager and she was good then but she's just terrible now but she gets in the ring hugs them both uh grabs a microphone and thanks them for the introduction and mentioned uh how she was the first ever smackdown general manager she said she had a vision and it's incredible to see this vision come to life at the thousandth episode of smackdown and at that point i'm literally just face palming and just waiting for her to stop talking um r-truth starts his questioning and uh See, he was about to start his question, first question when Shane McMahon's music actually hits. And we see him come back for the first time since, I believe, WrestleMania? When he had the match with uh, Daniel Bryan taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Shane uh, welcomes everyone to the thousandth episode of SmackDown. He said, uh, tonight would not have been possible without the fans. And on behalf of everyone at WWE, a thank you to everyone. Shane welcomes that, then welcomes Stephanie to the A-Show, which was a nice little dig there. At Steph, because it truly is the A fucking show. Stephanie says SmackDown is the second longest episodic show on television, but Raw's first. Just trying to be a little fucking bitch and just trying to throw a little dig there that hit nowhere near where it's supposed to land. She says Raw has higher standards 
and they wouldn't kick off Raw with Truth TV. Truth TV is better than anything they do with Roman Reigns, The Shield, and the Dogs of War. But I digress. Uh, all of a sudden, Vince McMahon's music hits, and he comes out to the ring to a chorus of cheers from the crowd, everyone chanting his song, No Chance in Hell. He gets in the ring and he says, no one wants to see Shane or Stephanie argue and fight. What they want is to be entertained. It's WWE. The E stands for entertainment. And how will they be entertained on SmackDown 1000? The crowd starts ch- does, doing uh, what's uh, for about four or five times. Stephanie then comes out and says, uh, he has his hearing aid on. No need to yell what Vince says. What about it? Uh, no, no need to yell what, what they're trying to say. Vince McMahon then says, what about a dance break? And everyone starts the dance, thus ending the segment to open the show. That was a good little segment. I mean, I really didn't need to see Stephanie McMahon at all come out and do her spiel, but she was part of SmackDown, so I guess it was okay for her to be out. Um, R-Truth, getting the opening segment for Raw uh, SmackDown 1000, was pretty cool. I mean, to see a guy, you know, Close to pushing 50 and, you know, being on the opening segment of SmackDown 1000 does mean something. Um, I don't think it's going to be in terms of a push. Maybe it might be a push for the, uh, you know, have a segment for R-Truth. Doing Truth TV going forward, I'm not sure, but to see him there um, when he's been a legitimate mid-carder for the longest time uh, really speaks to his longevity and him getting this spot was pretty cool to see. But we moved on after a commercial break. And we got AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan versus the Usos. And it was I said on Twitter, it was really nice to see the Usos get back into the fold, especially uh, later on in the night. They had um, New Day versus The Bar for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. But um, this match was actually really good. Um, they didn't, I think it was like about uh, 12 minutes or so that they got. But um, when they come back from the commercial break, towards the end of the match... Um, Jay and Daniel Bryan were in the ring, right hands and guest kicks by Daniel Bryan. Uh, he went for the cover, but Jimmy broke it up. Uh, in comes AJ Styles, throws Jimmy to the outside. Bryan is a, goes to hit Jay, but Jay moves out of the way and hits AJ by accident. I believe it was with a clothesline. So what they were, they were trying to do a little bit of a dissension angle between, uh, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, especially two baby faces in Bryan and Styles. Um, this definitely, uh, I think it hit the mark in terms of, you know, what they're going to be doing with their match going down in two weeks time at uh crown jewel for the wwe championship so you had a little do a little bit there and i really did believe the usos were going to be winning this match anyway just to um get them back into the fold and have them come back to smackdown live in, in a really big way defeating the likes of uh styles and brian so D- jay goes to kick daniel bryan moved out of the way as jay kicks aj styles um, after, you know, trying to apologize to Styles, but uh, Styles literally just tried to throw him out of the way. Uh, the Usos then hit a double kick on Daniel, super kick on Daniel Bryan as the cover is made and the referee gets the three count with the Usos getting the victory over Styles and Bryan. Uh, it made sense to give the Usos the victory here um, just to get them, like I said, back into the fold and at creating a little bit of dissension between the two going forward to Crown Jewel. Um, I think it definitely worked. It hit what it was. It did what it was supposed to do. And got the Usos the victory. Uh, we saw a segment between Paige uh, backstage with Vicky Guerrero talking, uh, having a conversation there. In came Teddy Long. And then we saw John People Power Laurinaitis as Vicky let out an excuse me. And I was that was pretty much probably the cringiest 
segment of the night. It was something that I really didn't need to see. But, I mean, if you're doing SmackDown 1000, you're showing the, the history of the show in and of itself. We come back from break, and they had the Evolution Reuniting segment. Okay, my dog's acting a little weird there. Don't mind her. So Triple H, Randy Orton, Ric Flair, and Batista came out to the Evolution song, Line in the Sand, which I love. It's one of my favorite themes of all time. And when you hear that song, you know it's shit was about to go down uh, during the Evolution days. All of them get in the ring. And I, I saw before they even got in the ring, Batista was the most amped up I had seen. Um, given the fact that SmackDown 1000 did emanate from Washington, D.C. in his hometown, it was definitely a cool moment to see him, you know, really hyped up, really happy to see the crowd and all that. So they get in the ring. Triple H begins to talk. He says that 1,000 episodes, how do you accomplish something that monumental? You accomplish it by evolving. How do you celebrate 1,000 episodes? You bring together the group which epitomizes the word evolution. And he definitely was hitting on all marks during his part in the promo. Ric Flair then got on the microphone, starts to do his whole style and profiling deal. Crowd's getting into it. Um, Randy, Randy Orton then says, coming down that aisle and listening to that song brings back some fond memories. What better way for a young kid to get into this business than to be in a group with these three men? And while Triple H has been running the show and Ric Flair has been living vicariously through his daughter and Batista has been spending more time in a makeup chair than in this ring, Randy Orton has been busting his ass to cement his legacy. I liked his part here. I mean, you know, throwing a little dig at each three guys, uh, getting a little laughter from the crowd. I did laugh during this part of the segment. Um, it was just, you know, just being joking. That's why I call it from like, Batista was giving him that look just like, hey, dude, you need to chill on that. But it was just nothing more than a nice little... Nice little dig at everybody. You know, it was a nice little moment. Uh, then we got Batista on the microphone uh, saying he's a little bit nervous. He's not, He was never one to be on the microphone. Um, he was one of those guys that didn't really need a microphone. His actions spoke louder than his words every single time he was in the ring. And it was really nice to see him back in WWE, even if it was just for one night, to have that little moment there with the crowd. He said it's been a long time. He will ignore what Orton said and enjoy it. Going back to what uh, him saying about the makeup chair. He says the last place he wants to be is with the microphone and in his hand. And he thought about what he wanted to say on this occasion. And he came up with four things. That he, they are. They were. That he wanted to be here tonight because of SmackDown 1000. The blue brand he did help build. as I believe he was one of the SmackDown 6. Um, I believe in the early 2000s when it was him, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, or Mysterio, Edge. I forget who was the sixth guy though. Chris Benoit. Christian Moore was the sixth guy. And it was definitely he was definitely helped building the brand before AJ Styles helped, you know, build SmackDown Live to where it is today. The second reason it was become because it was in his hometown of Washington, DC. A poor kid growing up working as a bouncer two blocks from the arena they were in that night. The third reason was all of the fans. All the fans. Even if they call them Bootista, Blue Tista. He loves them all. He just wanted to entertain the fans. Win or lose, he wanted to entertain. And then the fourth reason was because of Randy Orton, Triple H, and Ric Flair. And then th this is this was where it got really interesting. He asked how the molecules changed in the room. He said when the how the molecules changed in the room when the four of them walked in. He says this is a special group. Four world champions brought together to build a force. 
to build an army. It has never been done before or since. It is special. Randy Orton, 13-time world champion. He said the first time he saw Orton at OVW, he knew he was special. He then points to Ric Flair and laughs his ass off. He says Flair is a 16-time world champion. There's nothing he can say about Ric Flair that we don't know. Or could he? As Batista nodded his head, he then tells Ric Flair to keep that thing in his pants. Uh, he referred to uh, Space Mountain in his promo, and the crowd went apeshit and just laughed their ass off. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. It has never, I mean, it was, it was pretty fucking funny to see that part. Uh, all four of them started to laugh. Crowd was laughing, his, their asses off. But at last but not least, Triple H. The game. 14-time world champion. He said that Triple H has single-handedly changed the business. He runs the business. He is the business. There's nothing that Triple H hasn't done in this business. Except beat him. And I was just like, really? I, 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 I was like, that, that was one hell of a dig. That may have planted seeds for what could, for a possible Batista Triple H match. He has said that his dream match, his like main, I guess last like match to have would be against Triple H. He has stated this, and to hear that the way he said it, except beat him, the mood changed instantly. You had Randy Orton stepping back, looking at Triple H, as Triple H looks at Batista, doing that oh shit face. Ric Flair got in the middle of it. It was like, hey, hey, he's trying to change the mood, do a little styling and profiling. Uh, Triple H, you know, you know, had a little change of mood, smiled. You know, they both hugged. Everybody hugged in the ring. But as they were, you know, throwing their hands up and the crowd was, you know, giving them the ovation, Triple H did look at Batista and gave him a stern, serious look as to say, you really threw that out there, bro? So if this did plant the seeds for a possible Batista Triple H match, whether it be at the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, I'm all for it. These two definitely, you know, this is the kind of match I would want to see. You have now have my attention if you're going to go that route and build towards that match at WrestleMania. I would love to see it. If it does come to fruition, I'll be greatly appreciative of it because that's a match we need to see. Fuck the whole Triple H Undertaker shit. Last time ever. You need this match. Period. Full stop. Coming back from their commercial break, we had the World Cup qualifying match between Miz and Rusev. And let me just say real quick, and I said this on Twitter, I'm just going to rant for a second. How in the fuck you going to have a World Cup with all Americans? Okay, we. I'm a soccer fan. I watch the World Cup every four years. Don't they have like 32 teams from 32 different nations? But you had, you know, John Cena, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, um, Kurt Angle. Whatever the fuck else you got on here. And you're not putting, you're saying to crown the best in the world. Why wouldn't you have, you know, a Drew McIntyre, a Rusev, a Mustafa Ali, a Jinder Mahal, a Finn Balor, um, a Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn if they weren't injured representing Canada. Um, you know, a Pete Dunn, a Tyler Bate, something, the likes of that, a Cesaro, a Sheamus, you know, 
if you're going to have the best in the world, why not actually have the world's best be presented in this fashion? And then on top of that, win a trophy and have an automatic title shot at the next pay-per-view. Something along those lines, man. It's crazy to me how they don't... They they have these ideas, like the World Cup. I, I would be for it if you got the best in the world. You know, if you're really talking about best in the world, having like the Omegas, the Okadas, the Styles, and all those. But if you're talking in terms of WWE... Have it literally be a World Cup. Showcase your talents the best in the world. If you're going to do this in Saudi Arabia and have the World Cup, why not have the world's best? I just wanted to put that out there before we talked about it. This match between The Miz versus Rusev really didn't last long. The bell rang. Kurt Angle was there doing a commentary. He was a member of uh, SmackDown, of course. Uh, A spinning kick by Rusev took The Miz down. uh, Where he rolls to the outside, Rusev throws Miz back in. Uh, Miz grabs the referee uh, for a distraction, and out comes Aiden English to step into his business. He trips Rusev, uh, gets Miz back, gets Rusev back in the ring. He rolls Rusev up for the quarter cover. Damn, words are hard every day. Every time I do this, I swear. Gets the cover, grab a handful of tights, and he gets the victory. Moving, becoming the seventh participant in the World Cup. Another American. And don't and don't start this like oh he's anti-American. I swear to God, if you put that shit on my Twitter, I swear to God you're getting blocked in a fucking heartbeat. I'm not playing with that shit because that's just stupid thinking there, people. Um, so Miz gets the victory after the match. Um, Lana and Aiden English start in a little argument. She low blows English. Rusev then starts the attack on Angle the English, throwing him into the steel steps. Um, backstage we had a little segment between Kurt Hawkins, uh, and in the return of Edge to SmackDown uh, 1000, um, it was a weird little segment. Of course, Kurt Harkins being a former Edge head with Zack Ryder and Edge. Uh, he was going to be doing the cutting edge with uh, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Edge came out and said uh, he knew a great man who lived huge, and it doesn't get more huge than SmackDown 1000, so he had to be there. He said that SmackDown always felt like his show. Some of his greatest accomplishments happened on SmackDown. He cashed in his money in the bank against The Undertaker. He competed in a no-DQ match against Eddie Guerrero. That was a pretty sweet moment. Uh, the crowd getting uh, chant, Eddie Chant going in the crowd. He said that he married Vicky Guerrero. Divorced Vicky Guerrero. He said that the show really means something to him. In the past few weeks, he has been watching. And something has been happening. He says tonight. And this is the and this is really like one of the things he was like really shocked to do. He will be attempt to be SmackDown's moral compass. He then introduces Becky Lynch. Out she comes. Uh, he welcomes her for coming on the show. He said that he couldn't help but notice that he and her have a lot of similarities. He said that Becky's one of those people. She, Becky said that uh, he's one of the people that she wanted a career after, and clearly he sees what he sees, what she sees. Uh, then, but it was it took a turn for uh, for the different. I would say. He says more than anyone else, he understands what she is doing and going through because she he wasn't supposed to be in the main event or posters. And that's really fucking true. Edge was one of those guys that was just a tag team guy, um, a mid carter, And he didn't he didn't have that look of like main event world champion, but he fought. He had to fight for everything. Becky nods her head and tells him that he gets she gets it. He tells her that he gets what she, he gets. She thinks she is making the right choice by throwing away her friendship with Charlotte. But he's here to tell her she didn't make the right choice. 
He says he made those same choices. If there was a friendship that got in the way between him and the top, he crushed it. He left a trail of burnt bridges. He says she can win all the titles she wants. Her face can be on all the posters. But the choices she is making, they will change who she is. They will stain her soil. Her soul. Jesus Christ, words are hard. And he still sees a good person in her. And that the end result of all the choices she is making, they will change who she is. It ends with her actually sitting in her home, looking at her titles on the wall by herself. But the kicker is that she won't even like herself. And the and the crowd was just like, oh, little turn there from Edge being, you know, I guess somewhat of a baby face in the segment. Becky says he is right. She doesn't like herself. Then we get a loud Becky cramp from uh, Becky chant from the crowd. But then she looks looks right up at Edge and says that she loves herself. She tells him to stop being condescending to the champion and leave her ring. And Edge, while Edge was getting up, she tells him not to hurt his neck again while going through the ropes. And I was absolutely laughing my ass off because Becky's still a babyface. Guys, just want to put that out there. She's not a heel. She's doing heel-like things. Of course, she's you know saying certain things, you know, don't hurt your neck on the way out of my ring. But she's still a babyface. I have still not seen the turn to to make Becky a heel. She hasn't really done anything. You know, if anything, she's being like a stone cold in that sense. You know, where she's, you know, being that rebellious, you know, champion, you know, the one that people can root for, the every the every woman, the every man. You know, being that kind of, you know, who fought for so long when she lost the title in 2016 to claw and scratch and fight her way back up to the top. And, you know, even if she had to go through Charlotte after, you know, how she feels Charlotte screwed her over by getting in a triple threat match and then, you know, beating her while she had the uh, disarmor in and beating Becky and her winning the championship, but not Becky. She's still a baby face at the end of the day. She's just more rebellious. And what and and saying what she said, it was not heel like. It was just very, you know, I guess rebellious in a sense. Um, but after she said that, Charlotte's music comes hits, and out comes uh, Charlotte. She asked Becky if she had to go there, talking about the whole Edge deal. You know what she said, the Edge. Uh, she says it doesn't really matter what Edge has to say because all Becky cares about is the title, and that's why she ran at the Super Showdown and why she ran last week. She then says Becky will love what she does to her as Charlotte spears Becky. Now, before that, she said also said that, uh, and that's why she got uh, speared through that LED board uh, last week in the same thing after the double countout match uh, in the match they had for the Women's Championship. She says that Becky will love what she does to her as Charlotte spears Becky, and then the two start to fight, had to do a little pull-away, uh, pull-apart brawl, uh, out come the referees to break it up, and that ends the segment. It was a really good segment for what it was. Um, it was very... Surprised to see Edge in, in this kind of light. I know there was a negativity on uh, the reviews shows that I listened to. Um, and that's fine. Everyone has their opinion. I thought it came out came across very well. You know, just Edge throwing a little something other the likes of, hey, you don't want to go down the same path I did. I did the same things you did. And where I am now is a trail of burnt bridges behind me and nothing to actually show for it. Besides my titles and my accolades and all that. I had no friends that are behind me or I'm cool with. That boy lying. <laughs> but I mean, it was really nice to see him in a different light and to Becky, you know, just to be the way she was. And for Charlotte to be, you know, to say that, you know, all you care about is the title 
and not even caring about what you say or do. So hopefully, I mean, in their last woman standing match at Evolution, I'm expecting to be the one one of the best matches of the night. It was a nice way to build it. I mean, they have their go home show this coming Tuesday, so it'll be really interesting to see how they have their last say in terms of what the match is going to be for those two. We come back from commercial break to see the SmackDown Tag Team Championships on the line, the New Day versus the Bar. Um, this was a really, really good match. Uh, definitely got a lot of stuff in. I was really, you know, um, before the match even started, uh, the Jerry the King Lawler and uh, Booker T were actually going to be doing commentary at the New Day's table, surrounded by pancakes and all that such. Of course, insert your favorite Charlie Murphy gift here. Uh, the match, for what it was worth, was really good. A lot of action um, going on. Uh, when they got back from the commercial break, uh, Woods made the tag to, to Big E. Uh, Big E gets an overhead belly-to-belly suplexes on Cesaro. Uh, he then went for the big ending, but Sheamus tagged himself in blindly. Went for the broke kick. Uh, Big E moved out of the way. He tagged him. He tags uh, Woods tagged himself in. Uh, Big E then spear Sheamus through the ropes onto the outside, which was actually cleaner than most times he's actually done it and not damn near broke his fucking neck. He sent uh, Sheamus back in. Woods goes for the cover, but Sheamus got it too. Uh, Woods tagged in Big E as Woods... Uh, Woods tags Biggie in, and Woods wants to climb, uh, climb the top rope. He lifts Sheamus up, but Sheamus pugs, uh, pushed Biggie into the turnbuckle. Woods jumps down. Sheamus caught him. Goes to Cesaro to tag him in. Sheamus goes for a rolling senton on Woods, and Big E lifts Sheamus up, hits the big ending. Uh, Cesaro then picked uh, Big E up and hit him with the neutralizer. Went for the cover, but Woods broke it up at the last second. When they came back from the second commercial break, Cesaro was in the ring apron as Big E climbed the top rope, lifting him up for a suplex. Uh, Sheamus, uh, up goes Sheamus, who tagged himself in, hits Big E from behind and lifts him up. Uh, Cesaro then hits a nice, clean European uppercut. Went for the cover with his feet on the ropes, but uh, Kofi then pushes the legs off and literally is yelling at him, we're not going to do that here. This is not how we're going to do it. We're not going to do any of that. Um, Actually, it was Sheamus' feet on the ropes. I'm sorry, not Cesaro's. And uh, Cesaro, Sheamus comes out of the ring. And Kofi's just yelling at him, we're not going to do that. You're not going to end the match like that. Cesaro then hit Kofi from behind. Woods then flew over from the top rope, but, they, but uh, Cesaro and Sheamus catches him, threw him onto the barricade. Uh, they clear the second announce table that I believe put Xavier Woods through, which was filled with pancakes. And surprisingly, out comes the big show. It was very surprising. I'm like, what the fuck is the Big Show doing? Excuse me, on SmackDown 1000. Uh, the Big Show comes out. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro back away. The Big Show then helps Kofi up, lifts him up, but then choke slams him through the table. Big E is probably the most shocked face I had seen in a long while. He's just shocked. It looked like he was about to go after the Big Show, but he turns around, eats a broke kick from Sheamus, goes for the cover. And we have new SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, The Bar, with the help of The Big Show becoming the new champions. Um, one thing I did want to say about the uh, Edge segment before I move on, it was it was really nice to see Tony Kimmel uh, announce Edge as a nice little uh, throwback to having, um, you know, when him calling the Rated R Superstar. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to try to do it. It's, it's not happening, people. Um, it was really nice to see that. But, um... Going into the main event of the night, which was uh, the U.S. champion Shinsuke Nakamura taking on the returning, finally the returning Rey Mysterio. 
in one-on-one action in the World Cup qualifying match in the main event. Um, it was really nice to see Ray back. It was his first match back in three years. Uh, they had Charles Robinson, of course, in the main event, one of the longtime referees for SmackDown Live. Um, of course, this is you know it's the first time ever match. I really wish not only this was a qualifying match, but this was for the United States Championship. Like this was just like you know what, first SmackDown one thousand. We're gonna make the main event very special, and not only are you qualifying for the World Cup, your Shinsuke Nakamura's title was on the line. It would have been one of those things to see uh, Rey Mysterio compete in his first night back for a U.S. Championship, just like a random. You know, just like maybe if it was like a Nakamura um, facing off against uh, a mystery opponent type deal and then Rey Mysterio was the one to do it. I wish they would have done something like that just to make it a little bit more special for the main event of SmackDown 1000. But uh, they started off the match, of course, cautiously approaching approaching one another. Uh, Nakamura hits a kick, um, knees Rey Mysterio down. Uh, he then goes for a snapmare, drops a knee um, for a two count. Uh, Nakamura knees him in the ribs a few times, but Mysterio starts to fight back and punch back at Nakamura. Nakamura knees him again and applied a front face lock, but uh, he, he fell. Uh, Mysterio eventually fights up and uh, hits a set, head scissor takeover. Mysterio punches him, but Nakamura knees him in the ribs again and takes him down. Nakamura taking control of the match there. Uh, Nakamura charges. Mysterio knocks him into the middle rope. He went for the 6-1-9, but Nakamura then go, goes to the, went to the outside. Um... Mysterio then quicks, not, uh, he was actually in the ring still. Mysterio quickly kicks Nakamura off the apron before backing up. He then hits a stream, a, he head, gets a head of steam, slides out of the ring onto the, through the bottom rope with a nice little splash there. It was so clean. Um, the fact that he still can hit it from the bottom rope was absolutely fantastic. Usually most of the guys go through the middle rope, but to see uh, Mysterio go through the bottom rope to hit that suicide dive was very, very clean. Uh, Mysterio gets him back in the ring, goes to the top rope. But Nakamura catches him in the Tree of Woe and kicks away at him before Charles Robinson decided to back him up. Uh, towards the end of the match, uh, Nakamura laid him across the top top turnbuckle, knees him in the ribs for a near fall. His patented uh, run across the ring and hits him with the knees. Uh, Nakamura hits an inside out back suplex, attempts to go to, for the Kinshasa. Uh, Mysterio rolls him up for a quick two count. Nakamura kicks him, goes for another Kinshasa, but Mysterio countered that into a nice Hurricane Rana. Mysterio then knocks him in, finally knocks him into the middle rope, hits the 619, and follows up with the West Coast Pop. I, now, I guess they call it just a regular spring, uh, springboard splash, but I'm calling it the West Coast Pop until they say otherwise. Gets the three count, gets the victory, and advances on to the World Cup. Um, before I end this segment of the show real quick, um, let's talk about who they have in the Crown Jewel Tournament. John Cena, Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, that was the other one I forgot. Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins, The Miz, and now Rey Mysterio have all qualified for the World Cup Tournament at Crown Jewel. Yay. But uh, after Mysterio celebrated the belt, uh, we heard a gong, and of course, The Undertaker makes his appearance to end the show. Um, Rey Mysterio at this point is already gone. Undertaker chant starts uh, coming up from the crowd. Undertaker takes like 8 million years to get to the fucking ring. This is like the last five minutes of the show. Um... He gets in the ring, and and this kind of uh, weirded me out and kind of pissed me off that they, they only did it for, like, the last 30 seconds, like, minute to 30 seconds of the show. Uh, he grabs the microphone, says, at Crown Jewel, and <laughs> the crowd actually booed when he said Crown Jewel, like, a really loud boo from the crowd in Washington, D.C. Um, Undertaker says he's got three words for DX. 
Rest in peace. Undertaker's music plays, and he slowly, uh, slowly walks up the ramp before raising his arm while the thunder roars. That was from WrestleView.com. By the way, shout out to them, because that was the way they broke this down was fantastic. Um, like I said, it was a really good show. I wish there would have been a lot more from the show. Seeing The Undertaker in the last five minutes just do that and get paid for the show just for that was kind of um, weird. You really could have done that in like, the middle of the show. Or somewhere towards the end, I would say maybe the like right after you know the Rusev Miz match, that would have been nice to see there, just to be like, oh my god, you know, holy shit, yeah, we can kick off five minutes of that and do it there. But overall, I mean, we have we now have new SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions in the bar. Rey Mysterio is back, I believe, on SmackDown Live. We now have the World Cup set. Uh, the Evolution segment was the best segment of the night with Batista and Triple H with that whole deal, possibly playing the seed for a match. Somewhere down the line, it was really nice. The Usos coming back into the fold, getting a victory over Styles and Brian, And I guess the R-Truth segment was decent, too. But that is SmackDown 1000. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the debut episode of NXT U-Fucking-K. What's going on, y'all? Uh, real quick, I just want to take a little break from the show to talk about the next upcoming episodes that you're going to be hearing on the Young Lions Perspective podcast. Of course, um, I posted on my Instagram, uh, if you follow me at Suede underscore Senator underscore WWI, that episode 16 will be going down this weekend. Of course, my little living for the weekend gift uh, would have definitely given you the clue for that, where I'll be talking about the most recent episodes of NXT and the quarterfinals of the May Young Classic. So definitely be keeping your eye out for that. Talking about the Undisputed Era versus the War Raiders for the NXT Tag Team Championships, the match between Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross, and uh, like I said, the quarterfinal matches of the May Young Classic leading into the Final Four next Wednesday. Um, also, coming up Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to be put- I'm gonna be putting out my uh, Evolution preview and prediction show. Uh, it was one show that I really, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do a prediction show for since we don't have the full card out yet. Um, but like I said in the uh, opening segment, there may be just six, seven matches in the card, so it will be easier for me to pick. Uh, we'll break that all down and more likely talk about that next, uh, the week after um, Evolution. Uh, next Friday, um, after this is the last episode of the May Young Classic, we're going to be talking about NXT, the NXT uh, May Young Classic, the final four matchups, and NXT UK. So it'll be NXT. It will be mostly NXT, and then uh, the last episode of the May Young Classic. So from here on out, after the May Young Classic ends uh, every weekend, you're going to get a double dose of NXT from yours truly. And of course, the Sunday, the days after Evolution, we're going to be talking about. Uh, evolution review and break down that show in and of itself so with that being said guys let's get back and talk about the debut episode of nxt uk all right guys we are back and talking about the debut episode of nxt uk and ever since the uk tournament where they had announced that this this was going to be an actual thing, that we were going to start getting the development of talent from the UK scene with names like Tony Storm and Pete Dunne and Noam Dar and Mark Andrews and Trent Seven and Tyler Bate 
and Joe Coffey and uh, Mark Coffey and Flash Morgan Webster to the, uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me, about, you know, Nina Samuels and Charlie Morgan, Isla Dawn, Killer Kelly, Jenny, Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley. I was so hyped for this, for NXT's UK division finally getting some shine and finally getting their chance to uh, show the world, us the world what we've already known if you follow ICW in progress and IPWK, Rev Pro, and those sort of companies. It's really nice to see now NXT you know, expanding into the United Kingdom scene, uh, I guess necessarily taking, not necessarily taking over, but adding, expanding onto it. And it's for another platform for guys who are in, you know, defying ICW progress and all that to then possibly get a chance to become a member of, of the WWE brand and become part of NXT for the UK scene while still being promoted in progress in all those companies. It's a very nice thing. Uh, it's a very nice positive for NXT going forward. And a lot more people, I think, are going to you know start going towards that. Um, because we already love NXT. I love NXT. I've loved it for years now. Not the whole, uh, you know, game show version of it where they had, you know, Nexus and all that group. But what we have now and what it's become and now it's evolving into this. This, A, gives me more to talk about in the podcast, but it gives us another platform to see the very best up and coming talent in the world. You know, with a name like uh, I'm thinking Zaya Brookside, you know she's now part. She's now part of the NXT uh, UK Women's Division, and so she's now gonna have a little bit more of that. And she's only 19. You know, I mean, Tony the Storm's 23. Um, I think Jenny's in her mid 20s. So now you know you're getting all of these things and all these people and all this talent now that the world now gets to see. It's a very. This should be a very joyous occasion for all of us. As fans of the of the product over in the United Kingdom, you know, hopefully, you know, think, think of the names you see, you know, and love on Progress, on the Ref Pros, on the ICWs, the IPWs, and all that, and talent who come from you know WXW over in uh, in Germany, and all and all of this, all the European, the European market is now open to take part in the UK. I mean, you got Killer Kelly; she's from Portugal. You know, Tony Storm, Australia, Rhea Ripley's from Australia. You know, you have all Travis Banks also, I believe, from New Zealand. He's part of he's gonna be part of the UK brand. And it's really, really nice to just see that expansion take place and fully come out. And now we had it's come to fruition. We finally have it right here in our grasp. NXT UK has fucking arrived. And let's get into it. Let's talk about it. First match of the night was Joe Coffee. And Mark Andrews, and I love me some Joe Coffey. Um, he was a big player over in what uh, WC, WCPW, which is now known as Defiant Wrestling. Um, that's where I first saw him, him and ICW. His brother Mark, when they, uh, the Coffee Boys, they, they are fucking beast. And Joe Coffey had that one kick-ass match with Joe, uh, Dave Mastiff in the UK Championship Tournament this past June. And it was just epic to see two of the big boys go after it and take on each other like that. It was just very, very special to see. Um, he Joe Coffey against Mark Andrews, uh, first match of the night. Um, it was just, this was definitely, like you got to remember, somewhere down the line, I said this on Twitter, five years down the line, this is going to be a trivia question for all of us. Joe Coffey, Mark Andrews, 
first ever match in the NXT UK brand. Uh, toward now, this was a definite uh, facing of styles. Of course, Coffey being the you know the mastodon that he is, and Andrews being the high flying uh, type. It was definitely an interesting match of the styles. Now, Andrews, uh, he put now this is from. Also, WrestleView.com. So, Andrews put his uh, incredible skill and agility on display from opening a bell, taking his opponent down with an impressive pair of Hurricane Aranas. But the powerful coffee took advantage after multiple distractions from his brother and thrashed Andrews on the inside and outside the ring. Uh, That didn't stop the resilient Andrews, very resilient, fighting back, hitting a corkscrew moonsault, and even kicked out of coffee's devastating power slam. Andrews then drops coffee with a, a wicked stun dog millionaire, which was which came across as very fucking clean. Uh, Mark pulled Joe out of the ring for the save. Uh, the brothers were introduced to the moonsault from the top rope, which is also very nice. Uh, everyone crashing onto the ringside floor. Action gets back into the ring. Another distraction from Mark allowed Joe to meet Andrews on the ropes and execute an overhead belly-to-belly suplex before stealing his uh, opponent's fate, finishing him off with uh, the discus clothesline that he calls all the best for the Bells. And it was a devastating clothesline and gets the cover and the three count to get the victory. After the match, the Coffee Brothers started attacking Andrews. Out comes Flash Morgan Webster, hitting him upside the head with his helmet to and uh, allow the Coffee Boys to retreat, ending the segment. Um, going forward, I think the Coffee Boys are going to be the top heel team in NXT UK. I think that I mean, whenever they start the U, uh, NXT UK tag tournaments and all this stuff, I think the Coffee Boys are going to be the one group to watch out for. And I think I said it on my uh, Twitter as well. Um, They are going to be the inaugural tag team champions of the UK. I think it just works. It makes sense. I think you can see um, the, you know, a mustache mountain, maybe facing them in the finals of the UK tournament. That would be really nice to see. And then having uh, the Coffee Boys win the title and watch mustache mountain chase, it would just be really something to see. That's why that's why I made that uh, prediction, but I think maybe the first tag few will be between Andrews and Webster and the Coffee Boys. That would be something nice to see. Um, just going down, just going forward, just a little mini feud to lead up into the tournament in and of itself. Uh, Mustache Mountain then came out, and um, I thought they were going to be in a matchup, but they just came out to cut a promo. Um, I think Trent Seven took to the mic, and pretty much basically they were saying, you know, this is now. Our NXT. This is what we do here. But they were laying down the gauntlet to the rest of the, U- the tag teams in the division. And it was really, really nice to see. Basically, um, they said, we want to, you can get all your guys, partner up, get, you know, get your teams together in the back because we want the best of the best. And then improve that they are going to be the first ever UK tag team champions. So, I mean... I love Mustache Mountain, and uh, they're definitely going to be one of those teams you're going to be looking at moving forward, thinking they're going to be the first and all your tag, tag, tag team champions. Really nice to see them cut that promo here. Very good promo from Bay and Seven. Up next, we had uh, Dave Mastiff taking on Sid Scala. And whole <laughs> Dave Mastiff, if you've never seen this guy, I would, wa- I would uh, definitely want you to watch their... Uh, Joe Coffey and uh, Dave Mastiff go at it because Dave Mastiff is a big boy. Very big boy, 300 pounds, 
but has the agility to move like a 210 pounder. He definitely kicks ass. He's definitely one of those guys. I will think moving forward, he will be part of the main event scene for the UK championship. I can definitely, unless they go up with a mid card title, maybe the British Commonwealth championship, just, you know, somewhere I, I know that's, you know, we just got in the first episode and you know, Zach, you're already thinking too much of ideas going forward. This is how I think people, this is the methods of my madness. I'm already thinking ahead. Maybe they have a British Commonwealth championship. I don't know. UK Commonwealth title. Who knows? But getting back into it, this wasn't, this didn't take long uh, for the match. Um, Sid Scott definitely tried to get in some uh, some work here, but pretty much Mastiff took control early, kept uh, Sid Scala from getting much of an attack out really fast, gets him into the corner, hits his uh, finishing cannonball, uh, gets the one, two, three, and dominates in his debut on NXT UK. He's definitely going to be a big player going forward. I would love to see Mastiff done somewhere down the line if that's the route they want to go, but I think they're... Um, just building names up. I saw Eddie. Uh, we saw Eddie Dennis um, video package uh, showing that he's going to be involved in NXT UK. I'm really excited to see that. Maybe they uh, do an Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews thing going, but I, I'm not sure considering the fact that he and Andrews just went in a TLC match uh, in progress is Hello Wembley uh, event. So who knows? Things can happen. Up next, we had a little match between uh, Miss Tony Storm. And Nina Samuels will be part of the NXT Women's Division. Um, before the segment started, uh, Nina Samuels was being interviewed. And basically, her thing was that she is going to show the world uh, that she's going to be the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. I do like, I know Nina Samuels from the House of Couture that uh, Jenny is the leader of with her um, and Charlie Morgan. I'm not exactly sure who the third uh, lady is. Um, if you can hit me up on social media and let me know uh, who the third, uh, who the fourth member is on there. Let me know. I want to make sure I keep everything up to date. Um, this was actually a really, really good match between the two. A uh, nice little eight minute match there. Um, Samuels definitely went after Tony Storm. Uh, hit a nice little, had some, had some really good offense uh, from Nina Samuels. I never really seen her wrestle. I think I saw her wrestle maybe once when she was in ICW. I'm not exactly sure. It might, it might have been a progress match, but she definitely has something to the, she brings something to the table that I dig. Um, had a nice little tilt of war bout breaker that got, uh, got her a near fall. Hit a ton of moves that was going for near fall, but in the end, uh, Storm comes back uh, definitely with a, of course her explosive offense finishes her off with Storm Zero. That was, I would say it was it's like an Okada move, an Okada like Okada like neck breaker. Uh, across the knee, got her her first victory in NXT UK going forward. They're just trying to build up, building up the women's division. It was a really good match, very hard-hitting match. I believe uh, Storm hit a nice little uh, move in the corner using her hip attack. That was really nice. Definitely, I think the UK women's division is definitely going to be something to watch out for. I think it's going to be like the low-key... If they build it the way NXT is in America... I expect to see some great matches coming out of the women's division going forward. But the but the main thing everybody was talking about was the main event. Uh, Pete Dunne taking on Noam Dar for the NXT uh, UK Championship. Now, Noam Dar won his chance to become the number one contender in a fatal four-way match at the UK, a day two of the UK Championship Tournament. Where he believe I believe it was Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan, no, 
Flash Morgan Webster and uh, Travis Banks in a triple threat match to determine who's going to face him. Johnny Saint then came out and announced that there was going to be a fourth participant. Out came Noam Dar, who was just coming back from injury. He won that match and he became the number one contender to the title. And this brought it to where we are today. Um, it was very nice to see Noam Dar. When, when they announced the matchup um, and I knew that they, they were going to do the tapings, I'm thinking, damn, this is going to be a really, really fun fucking match between these two. Uh, it was very intense. Johnny Saint came out. Uh, he was there, you know, to uh, proceed over the, you know, opening introductions for the champions, champion and challenger. Um, from beginning to end, this was a crazy, crazy match. In the beginning, uh, Bruce, uh, Pete Dunn was starting to target his uh, arm and fingers. Uh, and Dar was definitely focusing on the total uh, Dunn's knee. That was the main focus for both men in this match. Of course, you know. With Dunn having the bitter end uh, and uh, having the legs as his base, it definitely meant a lot for Dar to go after the knees. Um, it got to a point where they were on the apron and they were hitting each other back and forth. Dunn goes there after his opponent, uh, went after Dar's fingers again, tried to go those, paid for it though with a with a nice little kick across the, with a nice little roundhouse kick to the face, and then got him up and hit him with a release. Fisherman suplex on the apron, and that was so fucking devastating. It was absolutely insane. The crowd started to go apeshit in Cambridge. I was too. I was like, what the fuck? Um, referees started to count to 10, um, on, and both Dunn and Darf barely beat the count. Both got into nine. Uh, they started hitting each other back and forth with strikes and submission maneuvers. I believe at one point, um, was it knee bar? No. Dar was in the ankle lock. Dunn got a, a, tr- a triangle lock submission. Then Dar goes for the knee bar, and uh, Dunn goes for the ropes. Um, at the in the end, though, in the final moments of the match, Dunn hits a devastating forearm, sets up the bitter end. But uh, Dar then counters into a knee bar, which is what I was talking about a second ago. Um, at the last moment, Dunn was fighting, almost tapped out. I think at least twice, and, uh, and he finally gets to the ropes, but he left his uh, but Dar left his fingers exposed. Bruiserweight then grabs his fingers, stomps on them, pretty much hurting his pinky, uh, executes the better end, gets the three count, and retains the NXT UK Championship. It was damn good. Damn good match. Definitely, I'm definitely going to go back and watch that. I might put that in my um, in the in the list of uh, honorable mentions for uh, 2018. That was a really, really good match and a great main event to start the NXT UK banner right uh, I would definitely go back and watch the shows. Definitely go back and watch the show. Um, if you want to see Dave Mastiff, if you want to see, you know, the Coffee Boys, you know, showing us who might be the top tag, heel tag team in NXT UK. I think they're going to be that top heel team going forward. Cause a lot of chaos. I can't wait to see Mark in the ring because I haven't seen Mark in the ring in a long time. But I've seen a lot of Joe Coffee to know that he's definitely going to be one to watch. Um, Pete Dunne, of course, uh, you know, 500 plus days as champion. Uh, I'm curious to see who they're going to start building for contenders for the NXT UK Championship. It really it, it piques my interest, especially with a debut show. You're, you start to get those uh, those hamster wheels going, and they're thinking, you know, who are they going to have compete for the NXT for the top titles? Who they're going to be putting in the tournament for the NXT UK Championship? Maybe I'm thinking maybe a Zach Gibson maybe get another shot. You have Mark Andrews there. You have Travis Banks there, and they fought before for the Progress World Championship, which I had talked about last year, and I put in my top 10 matches of the year list. 
Um, of course, Flash Morgan Webster. You have all these guys coming up and into the pipeline for NXT. That's going to be really something to look forward to moving forward. Of course, you have the NXT UK Women's Championship Tournament. Um, a couple of the names that I think are going to be in there are I've, I'm, that were announced. Rhea Ripley, Dakota Kai, Isla Dawn, um, Zaya Brookside, Tony Storm, of course, Nina Samuels. You know, I've already, I've unfortunately, like an idiot, saw the spoilers as to who's already the first NXT UK Women's Champion. I'm not going to put that here. Um, when it comes to stuff like this, I don't do spoilers. I effed up one one day and just, I saw it. I was like, ah, man, that's that. I mean, I was I was surprised at who they who they went with, with for the Women's Championship. And I think you'll be shocked too. But I think over time it will be well-deserved for her. Um, this was a really good episode. I mean, for first impression, it definitely sold me. So I can't wait to see what they're going to be doing with NXT UK going forward. But I know 3 p.m. for a lot of us. Um, is definitely going to be a pain in the ass, especially for podcasters like myself who, you know, do, I do work. I do have a full-time job. It's what, you know, I have this going on, but I do have uh, the podcast as well. So it's, I'm still going to be checking it out. I'm still going to be talking about this show because I'm really a big fan of NXT. Um, it's definitely going to be something I think is going to be very positive going forward. And if they do it right, I'm not saying it's going to happen, you know, Royal Rumble weekend or WrestleMania weekend or anything like that, but there will be a UK takeover going. I would say in 2019, they're going to have a UK takeover. They got to have one now. I mean, you know, sky's the limit at this point, you know, SSE Wembley, SSE Hydro, you know, all this stuff. It's, it's UK, you know, go to those venues, you know, all there's the possibilities for the UK brand as a whole now is is freaking just endless. The possibilities are endless, and I can't wait to see how NXT does their thing moving forward. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 15 of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, night, afternoon, brunch, whatever time you listen to this. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to check out the show. And if you like the show, why not tell a friend to tell a friend? Share this on your social media. Use the hashtag Young Lions Perspective. Get the word out and tell people about the alternative perspective to professional wrestling. We are here and we are live. Now, if you don't listen to me on the Anchor app, and why don't you? It's probably one of the best apps to use on anywhere, period. You can check me out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective on either one of these apps, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. Unless you're on Spotify, search for Wrestling With Issues. And then Young Lions Perspective will be right underneath that. Guys, follow me on my social media, my Twitter, at SwedeSenatorWWI, and my Instagram, Swade underscore Senator underscore WWI. It will keep you updated on all of the shows that are coming out whenever I produce them and tell you they go out live. I be I do live tweet on for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, now NXT UK, and the May Young Classic, and any New Japan events that may be going down if I'm actually up at 2 o'clock in the morning to check them out. Guys, uh, keep your eyes open for the episodes for episode 16 of the podcast going down this weekend, and stay tuned for my evolution preview and predictions coming down next week. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. We'll talk soon. See ya!